You're listening to the N2K Space Network. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the darknet, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the season of success. It was the season of bankruptcy. It was the spring of launch. It was the winter of dissolution. Yes, you're listening to The Correct Podcast. Two similar names, but two very different fates for Virgin Orbit and Virgin Galactic. T-minus. 20 seconds to LOS. Today is May 17th, 2023. I'm Maria Varmazis, and this is T-Minus. Virgin Orbit and Virgin Galactic. The similarities end at the name. Arkit quits space. China adds a 56th Beidou satellite. Some updates from Sweden and Japan's respective space programs. And for today's interview, I'm speaking with Florida Today space editor Emery Kelly. Emery will be discussing the progress of Boeing's Starliner program with me. Stay with us. And here's your Intel briefing for today. I got to get all Dickensian in today's show open, this tale of two virgins. Yeah. Uh, though the company's names both start with virgin, and that's thanks to initial funding from the billionaire Richard Branson, once these companies are off on their own, despite the similar-sounding names, they also have nothing to do with each other. And right now, Virgin Orbit and Virgin Galactic are in pretty opposite places. So let's start with the state of Virgin Orbit. It's bankrupt, officially as of April, and it's in the process of selling off its assets. Today, the news is that Strata Launch has made a deal to buy some of Virgin Orbit's assets, mostly its aircraft, including the Cosmic Girl carrier, to the tune of $17 million. Strata Launch has been working rather famously on its own air-to-orbit launch vehicles, like the gargantuan rock aircraft, so Cosmic Girl might find herself quite comfortable in a new home with them. That said, the deadline for all bids on Virgin Orbit assets is May 19th, so you don't have much time if you want to get in and snipe a bid all eBay style. And now over to Virgin Galactic, 
where things are going pretty darn well, actually. They announced today that they are a go for launch. The Unity 25 will launch to suborbital space with four crew aboard no earlier than May 25th from Spaceport America, New Mexico. And now this marks a happy return to space for Virgin Galactic, as the last such space flight was in 2021, so it's been a little while. This is the last check of the full spacefaring system, and if all goes well, Virgin Galactic plans to offer commercial spaceflight on a more frequent cadence starting next month. And we reported in yesterday's show that SES and TESAT are partnering to develop a system for ESA's Eagle One quantum encryption satellites. But it seems that not all of Europe sees the value in a satellite system. Space News is reporting that British cybersecurity software developer Arkit has hired a financial advisor to sell its space division. Arkit's space division assets include their quantum encryption satellite program. Space News also reported late last year that Arkit had scrapped plans for a space-based quantum encryption network, stating that they no longer needed satellites to deliver encryption keys and that they would instead be using a terrestrial system. Australian space and defense company Black Sky Aerospace has been approved to develop a site in southern Queensland to build and test rockets. State and local governments okayed the use of a 2,500-acre agricultural property to develop a rocket fuel facility and associated infrastructure. The news comes just weeks after the company announced that it had successfully produced ammonium perchlorate, a chemical that makes up about 70% of most rocket fuel. China has launched satellite number 56 for the Beidou Navigation Satellite System. This is the first Beidou satellite launched since summer 2020. China says the third generation of the Beidou Navigation System is capable of millimeter-level accuracy and offers full global coverage for timing and navigation. The system is touted as an alternative to Russia's GLONASS, the European Galileo Positioning System, and the U.S.'s GPS. The Swedish Space Corporation has been awarded a $2.46 million contract from the European Space Agency for the second phase of the optical communications project NODES. The NODES project, which stands for the Network of Optical Stations for Data Transfer to Earth from Space, is developing a direct-to-Earth data reception service based on free space optical communication. The Phase 2 contract will support the implementation, test, and demonstration of an optical network to be carried out over the next two years. And Japan's Aerospace Exploration Agency, or JAXA, has awarded two contracts to Warspace to study moon-to-Earth communications. The first of the two new study and development tasks will look at communications architecture between a lunar-orbiting data relay satellite and the lunar surface. The second is the development of an ultra-sensitive sensor for satellite detection and tracking with the aim to achieve long-distance, high-speed optical communication between the moon and the Earth. And for some industry workforce news now, kinetic launch company SpinLaunch has appointed Matthew Mejia as chief financial officer and chief strategy officer. Mejia will lead SpinLaunch's fundraising efforts and accelerate the commercialization of their integrated tech stack that includes launch, satellites, and other services. Now, we all know the cliche, space is hard, and we must also add space is expensive, Even though the global economy is facing uncertainty, it doesn't stop the U.S. Department of Defense or NASA for calling for more money in their budgets. There is bipartisan support for a Space National Guard and for NASA's Artemis program, 
But the White House may not have enough to stretch to both in the coming fiscal years. Billions, that's with a B, billions are needed to help secure the skies and to launch the next humans to the moon. And both agencies are warning that Congress's inability to pass a timely budget has paused progress. And you can read all about budget requests for space and a lot more in the selected reading on our website, which is space.n2k.com. And that concludes our Intel briefing for today. But stay with me for my conversation with Florida Today space editor Emery Kelly as he walks us through Boeing's Starliner program. And hey, T-minus crew, you find this podcast useful, and I really hope you do. Please do us a favor and share a five-star rating and a short review in your favorite podcast app. It'll help other space professionals just like you to find the show and join the T-minus crew. Thank you, and we really appreciate it. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. I went into the interview today with admittedly a bunch of preconceived ideas about Boeing's Starliner. And thanks to my guest, I found myself not only learning a lot, but also questioning a number of assumptions that I had held. From its ambitious mission to replace the shuttle program to the setbacks faced along the way, we delve into the challenges and triumphs of the Starliner. And that's all thanks to the perspective and expertise of my guest. Going back to 2011 and the end of the space shuttle program, Starliner was one, uh, ultimately one of two vehicles selected to replace the shuttle's ability to take astronauts to and from the International Space Station. Obviously, Boeing and Starliner was one of those, and SpaceX and its Crew Dragon capsule was the second one. So Boeing got the uh, bigger share of that contract. Both companies continued working toward their first launch. Boeing's first uncrewed test flight for Starliner, so totally automated, uh, I should say autonomous, test flight in December 2019 did not go according to plan. There were just some some hardware issues, uh, hardware and software, really, and it returned to Earth early. So had there been astronauts on board, it would have been fine, and it sounds like they would have they would have been okay. But obviously, the mission was not a success. It didn't achieve the uh, goals of uh, easily reaching the ISS and returning home. So since then, a lot's been going on. After that demonstration flight, Boeing agreed essentially to try again out of their own pocket. They spent, I believe it was a couple hundred million dollars to refly uh, Starliner, again on an autonomous mission, uh, to and from the ISS, that second attempt was successful. Uh, that that went according to plan. 
So Boeing is now in a, in a stage where they need to do a crewed flight test or CFT. And obviously part of that is putting two astronauts on board for the first time, flying them to the ISS for a short stay. It's not going to be long, like a fully operational stay. Those are typically six months. And then those astronauts will return home and uh, they will touch down in white sands. A little bit hectic here and there, um, as, as you would expect with, with any new program in a new spacecraft. So most recently, Boeing and NASA, because again, NASA is the primary contractor for this. This is, this is what they want. This is what they contracted Boeing to do. Boeing and NASA were targeting sometime in April for that crude flight test. And they kind of came out uh, recently and said, well, that's not going to happen. And it really came down to, to a delay. Um, Boeing officials said it's, it's not a, a traditional delay in the sense that they just kind of need to do more simulations. A lot of it has to do with parachutes. But at the end of the day, it is a delay. It, it simply is. Um, it's now shifting from April to July, which is, which is always a fun time of the year to fly. July is in Florida is lightning strikes every day and lots of rain. And rain has been a problem for Starliner. There was water intrusion during a previous launch attempt. And oh, really? Start, you know, that, yeah. So, so that needed to be worked out. And in, in Boeing's defense, if I remember that storm correctly, it was torrential. But obviously, spacecraft need to survive quite uh, tough conditions. <laughs> so Boeing's been working on that in the, in, in the meantime, and they're now looking at July to launch those, those two astronauts to and from the ISS. And if, but the good news is SpaceX is, is currently filling that, that crew capacity to and from the ISS. And once Boeing comes online, that'll be a redundant extra system. If something were to happen on the other side, or if suddenly, you know, the Russian Soyuz capsule is out of commission for some reason or anything like that, there will be two vehicles online, which will be, which will be good, good for the astronauts to have another, another way to get to and from. I actually am surprised to hear that Boeing was the, the primary winner of the contract. I, given how much SpaceX has been doing, I, for some reason, I thought it would be the other way around. Not that it's necessarily correlated, but that's just, huh. I believe Boeing's uh, argument or, or discussion at the time when those were awarded, maybe, maybe I shouldn't say Boeing was the, the primary contractor, but they got more money. They got, they got quite a bit more money. And Boeing's argument at the time was, well, we need to build a new capsule from scratch. SpaceX is going to base their Crew Dragon design on their previous Dragon design. So... We need more money, and that—that's kind of kind of how that shook out. I think from a timing perspective, it's it's definitely a tough time for Boeing. The Starliner issues were happening at the same exact time the 737 Max issues were happening. Obviously, these are two completely different branches of the company, two completely different teams. But of course, you know, folks ask, and and NASA was asking, are there? cultural things? Is it, is it something operational at Boeing? Is it this or is it that? But honestly, I think media overall, and I think the public overall doesn't have enough transparency to be able to answer that uh, with, with any degree of, of confidence. But at, at the end of the day, when their first uncrewed mission launched in 2019, you can, I mean, you can look at it one of two ways. At the end of the day, that capsule did not reach the ISS due to hardware and software problems, but it did launch, it did get to orbit, and it did return to White Sands, New Mexico. And, you know, it's, it wasn't a lost vehicle. So 
obviously they they made quite a bit of progress um and for a brand new vehicle and you know a, a brand new contract and building something from mostly from scratch it, it's it's tough and the 2019 flight at least showed in some ways that there are some positives and and to Boeing's credit as far as I'm aware they paid out of pocket for the second test flight so they if you will burned a little bit of that any profit they they would have made early on in in that program if we're talking about Starliner as you said starting from scratch then in a way that timetable is actually very fast um so uh, if you frame it in that way then then things things have been moving very quickly on their end and they're just going through what makes sense for for testing for something that's that compressive a timeline i suppose so yeah yeah i mean everything these days uh seems to be operating on a on a faster timeline maybe that's just our sort of human perception of it but we want things now and we want them <laughs> we want them faster <laughs> you know being able to get a new iphone every september <laughs> Is is very different from launching, certifying, flying properly a, a new spacecraft. You know, and one of the big things officials at NASA, Boeing, SpaceX, pretty much wherever you go, uh, talk about a lot is a lot of folks who are doing this are doing it for the first time. People who did this during Apollo aren't exactly like it's been so long since Apollo and Gemini and Mercury. The, the, these folks aren't like working at, at SpaceX or Boeing and holding the hands of the younger people and showing them this stuff. A lot of this stuff for a lot of these people, it's it's a brand new, brand new thing. What a great point. So there, yeah, that that uh, the talent also has to sort of scale up as as we go. So hopefully that will that is something that we'll see ramping as we as uh, things progress. But in the meantime, we will keep an eye on what's going on with Boeing and Starliner. Emery, thank you so much for walking me through it. I really appreciate it. Of course. My pleasure. And we'll be right back. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Welcome back. Now, crowdsourcing efforts to further scientific understanding have a long tradition. For example, a little history lesson here, women like Williamina Fleming, Antonia Mori, Annie Jump Cannon, Anna Winlock, Henrietta Levitt, and Florence Cushman, amongst many others, were part of a group of women called the Harvard Computers, and they poured over reams of astronomical data in the late 1800s to early 1900s. Their work studying and cataloging stars contributed significantly to how we understand and classify stars to this day. And once the word computer came to mean a machine and not a person, 
We even crowdsourced computing power, if anyone remembers SETI at home in the late 90s. And right now, at least until AI proves me wrong, humans are still the best at detecting patterns and anomalies and spotting things that maybe are where they shouldn't be. And there are a lot of citizen scientist programs out there right now that need your help to look through the astronomical data that's out there. And one of them, well, you can help defend Earth from a potentially hazardous near-Earth object. Kinda. The Catalina Sky Survey, based out of the University of Arizona, looks for near-Earth asteroids nightly, but it can't go through all the data it collects. So it needs you to help look through its images to see if the detections that they've made are real possible asteroids or just false alarms. The project launched yesterday, and so far, 828 volunteers have already classified over 34,000 images. And new images are uploaded daily for citizen scientists to look at, so no need to rush and call dibs. There's plenty of space for everybody. And that's it for T-minus for May 17th, 2023. For additional resources from today's report, check out our show notes at space.n2k.com. We'd love to know what you think of our podcast. You can always email us at space at n2k.com or submit the survey in our show notes. You know, your feedback ensures that we deliver the information that keeps you a step ahead in the rapidly changing space industry. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. This episode was produced by Alice Carruth. Mixing by Elliot Peltzman and Trey Hester with original music and sound design by Elliot Peltzman. Our executive producer is Brandon Karpf. Our chief intelligence officer is Eric Tillman. And I'm Maria Varmazis. Thanks for listening. T-minus.